With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. So what's up, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics podcast. Uh, my name is Daniel. My name is Karlenka. This is the last time we're going to be recording this podcast on Monday at least scheduled on Monday. So next week, we're going to start releasing the podcast Tuesday night, Wednesday. So Have Hope Schedule has got a bit full on Mondays, we'll say. And Tuesdays is a bit easier for him and kind of sort of for me as well. So if we if we don't show up on Tuesday morning like you're used to, just wait a little bit and we'll show up later in the day or to, uh, on Wednesday. So just Wednesday morning, basically. Um, so yeah. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Talking Tactics. If you want to support the podcast, you want to make sure that we keep doing this, remember to check us out on Patreon. Carl, where can people find you if you want to you be? You can find my writing over on The Athletic, where I cover Manchester United and the Premier League, uh, as well as some Champions League things when the Champions League kicks on. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Anchorman616 if you wish. Have hope. Just type in havehopefootballhut.com. All the links are in the description. I'm at Daniel to look if I didn't say that already. So we have actual real football to talk about. People have actually made their debuts. They've actually scored their debut goals. I have a real problem with uh, Haaland debuts in America or the Lambeau yeah, Field yeah, yeah. or wherever not. he was. That's not a debut. It okay? doesn't count if it's preseason. Preseason goals don't count. It doesn't. They don't. Ne- neither do the appearances. Sadio Mane shows up and plays his first game. for No, he did that. No. Like Maybe you could count the Super Cup. Maybe, but definitely not preseason. So we actually have actual football to talk about. I know why people do it. And again, when I say people, I mean the timeline because <laughs> it's just if, if you're Bleacher Report or Goal or any one of those places that traffics in, we need likes, retweets, anything. Ooh, ooh, you're it's it's going to look great to say the debut. Oh, debut. He scored on his debut. It's his debut. So, you know, the views must run. So I get that. But. Let's talk about actual debuts. Mm-hmm. So we kicked off with Arsenal. Man, I'm so bad with remembering who people play. Arsenal play Crystal Palace to open the Crystal Palace on Thank Friday. You. Yes. Yo, I forgot. I low key went viral a little bit. 
Yeah, I saw that. Oh, it was a good tweet. It was a good yeah, tweet. It was a good one. It was a good one. So, so I'm just I'm, I'm remembering. Ex- I'm re- explain, explain the basis of your tweet for those that aren't on a timeline all the time. <laughs> so the basis of the tweet is if you look at the Crystal Palace lineup, there is a distinct you can say it of their starting it's, eleven, it's, nine players were black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all of, of the outfield player, there's only one white dude, Anderson, mm-hmm. who by the way was the man of the match. Like his passing, yep. progressive passing and balls over the top and just finding forward passes was immaculate. So it was kind of funny that he was the best Crystal Palace player on the pitch, maybe even the best player on the pitch. But he was the only white dude that was out there in like the Crystal Palace kit that wasn't a goalkeeper. So it reminded me of the video where like the the the, the kids are doing like the dab from back in the day <laughs> and you get all the black kids and they hit the dab right and then the white boy steps up and he just kind of does like a karate chop kind of deal. <laughs> and like the, the, the guy filming it, who would be Patrick Vieira in this case, goes, oh, Lord. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll make the correlation. And whenever I, whenever tweets, I think they could hit or they're just going to annoy me, I put the notifications on mute. So I haven't forgot it. I woke up. It was like, I don't know, hella likes, like 10,000 likes. I was like, wow. So maybe this could go. I think it might be at 20k likes or something like that. Oh, so, this doing numbers. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it was just funny. It's it's fun to play with those kind of things. <laughs> I was like, what what would scams tweet? And whenever I think that, sometimes they hit. So <laughs> shout out to scams. Shout, shout out, out to scams. scams bro. Now the Premier League's back. Scams is oh, powering man. up. He's like, uh, I don't watch Dragon Ball Z, but you know that the the meme of like the dude in the tank? Yep. He's like getting the oxygen or whatever. He's like in the water. That's that's scams right now. Arsenal played really well, at least for the they first played, played 20 well minutes. 30 minutes helped. Yeah. I'd say they played well for 30 minutes, hung on for 60. Um, yeah. I, If you were one of many, 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 many fantasy football managers who had Gabriel Jesus, you're probably a little bit disappointed, but Jesus really did look quite good leading the line for Arsenal. Uh, Martinelli looked bright in patches. Zinchenko looked okay. okay. Yeah, it was one of those sort of I can see why Arteta's brought you to the team and I can see what you bring, you know, that midfield, fullback, inverted, fullback stuff. But I'm also going, hmm, if I'm an opposition scout or an opposition coach and I'm in charge of a Premier League team, I would tell my wide players to run at Zinchenko a lot more as it doesn't look like, it, doesn't, doesn't, it just doesn't look like he's getting the protection you would expect from the man in front of him. Just to build, it looked... I understand why Arteta got you, mm-hmm. but I also understand why Pep let you go. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, and it, it's good if you're an Arsenal fan. If you're an Arsenal fan, I can absolutely understand why you are of the why quite a few Arsenal fans think they're going to finish in the top four. Um, I can also see if you're not an Arsenal fan, why that performance makes you think they're not going to finish in the top four. Good ninety minutes. I also think Crystal Palace will be fine. They really look as if they are building something quite fun there. I would like to see them finish in the top half. I think they'll probably. I think quite a lot of Premier League watchers will end up having Crystal Palace as their second or third favorite team this season. <laughs> okay, Carl. <laughs> you're on the roll I mean, with Amanda. On, I mean, on my timeline, yes, but you made it seem like that's going to be general rule. Like I don't know. Uh, that's Hopefully why I said though. second or third. You know, I think it's remarkable how different that Crystal Palace team looks and plays compared to the final years 
of Roy Hodgson. And I mean, looks not just in terms of, you know, they had nine black football players, but also just how young that team is compared mm-hmm. to what it was on the Roy Hodgson. And just how much more dynamic they are. They still need a, a more focal point up front. Uh, Christian Benteke has gone to DC United now. Jordan yep. Ayew is still a immensely frustrating <laughs> football player. But yeah, they're good. They're good. Okay, pause, 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 pause for the calls. Okay. There were a lot of people complaining in the summer, Ghanaians especially, who mm-hmm. were like, the only reason we're getting Williams and going after Hudson Adoy and trying to get, there was another forward player in there that were signing for Ghana for the World Cup. And they were like, the, the only reason they're coming is because it's the World Cup. Would they be doing this if it wasn't the World Cup? The easy answer is no. Of course they wouldn't. But are you really going to show up to Qatar to play South Korea, Portugal, and Uruguay with the IU brothers? You can't make that run. Yeah. yeah. You need points in those games. Like you, you have to be South Korea. If you don't, it's over. So you can't put it in IU's hands, Jordan or Andre. Sorry if we want to talk taxes again. Abede Pele tax is strong in Ghana, bro. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing. When I when I was in I Ghana, so, but... when I was in Ghana earlier this year, Jordan, the perception of Jordan Ayew in Ghana is completely different to the perception of him in the Premier League. So in, in the Premier League, his perception is he works really hard, he tracks back, he defends, and he doesn't mind putting a boot in. Whereas mm-hmm. the perception in Ghana for the national team is he thinks he's he thinks the ball should always go to him. He doesn't do any defensive work and he's lazy, which Damn. was quite interesting when I was talking to Ghanaian journalists because I went, Jordan I was many things. He's not lazy. He's he's still a Premier League football player because he's not lazy. And yet the perception is he's lazy in Ghana. Um, yeah, he's not. You can't run the majority of your attacking play through Jordan Ayew. <laughs> right? And I, I know there's been many stories about who is the better Ayew brother. It's Andre. And Andre, Andre, Ayu is you know several years removed from his peak, and he's now playing in, in the Qatari leagues, I believe. But uh, they've got Edard uh, at Crystal Palace, and Zaha's mm-hmm. good. Eze looked very good in the last stage of the last stage of that game, and when Elise comes back, you know Elise, Zaha, you know Edard, that's that's good. I think they probably need one more attacking player. Um, yeah, and I think if Czech the Corey gets to 100% match sharpness, 100% match fitness. He's going to be, he's one of those players, the Corey, who, you know, just signed for Palace for less than 30 million. And it's one of those signings where you're going, how? How have Palace got him? And how did Palace get him for less than 30 million? It's one of those big signs where you go, oh, the Super League already exists. It's called the Premier League. He, he'll be, he'll be, I'm very much of the belief that he'll be, you get to the end of the season and you do that. Who's the best players outside the top six? It'll be him. It'll be him. It'll be Samaka and one of Eze or uh, Elise. I was I was curious while you were talking, and I was like, "Where's Kuyate? He's a free agent, and he could be going to Nottingham Forest." So I was like, "That would be another one in their midfields that mm. I didn't see." But I guess they didn't resign him. He's thirty-two years old, so maybe as you say, they're trying to get younger, uh, and they still have uh, Milivojevic. So maybe yeah. you pick one or the other. But yeah, Palace wants um, to get younger. And he's oh he's thirty three in December so yeah so if he that's a, that would be a good signing for Nottingham Forest I think he's a he's a proven Premier League player um, for Arsenal though you're not watching the all or nothing correct no no uh, no no offense to that I just there's only so it's, much football I can like watch 
there's only so much football I can I watch in a week, and I don't right. I don't watch all or nothing. I don't watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, do you know what? That would be a good conversation for an extra. <laughs> Let's do, why, why I don't like Ted Lasso. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I thought Arsenal, again, I thought Arsenal, they, they look good. And I definitely think they're going to be in the top four conversation. Like basically the first episode is all I've watched of All or Nothing. And last season, that was their aim or their objective. It was, to, we need to get back into the Champions League. I'm sick of watching Arsenal play uh Europa League or not even like we need to be up there. Mm-hmm. So if this team can build in a in a in a solid way with Arteta and the new signings that they've had, I, I think they said they want to make another one. I don't know where, but um yeah, they can make it work. Saliba looked really good. He looked really good for his first really game. Good. Yeah, so we will see. We will see with Arsenal. They probably need one more addition in midfield and they probably could do with some yeah. cover in defensive midfield because I'm pulling a face. Oh, you're looking at that. Yeah, sure. Why not? Where to next? Let's do Fulham Liverpool. Liverpool look shaky. Mm-hmm. Liverpool look shaky. And we we've we've spoken on this podcast before about how Jurgen Klopp is a very sore loser. And he, he admits he's a very sore loser. They didn't lose, they drew two two. But that game showed to me everything why. So I didn't I didn't predict Liverpool to win the Premier League. And I think not that many pundits predicted Liverpool to win the Premier League. If you are of the opinion Liverpool will win the Premier League, I would say that performance against Fulham is probably why that won't happen. And it's because they look really threadbare in that middle three. Yeah. You know, Fabinho... Thiago Thiago, went out injured. Thiago went out injured. It it looks like a hamstring injury. We know he's got a history of muscle issues. So Mm -hmm. he cannot be relied upon to play all 38 games of the season. And, you know, Jordan Henderson's a bit older. To think that Liverpool got better when James Milner came on and they moved to a sort of 4-2-4. Oh, man. There's only so many games and so many opponents that a 2022 version of James Milner is going to be able to bail you out of. <laughs> and that's, I'm not going to try, and that's not me saying Milner's bad in 2022. That's me saying Milner's, one of his key assets is his, his athleticism. And he's not going to be able to give you that week in, week out at his age. So... Yeah. yeah, like that that game is credit going to, to him though. How old was James Milner? He must be thirty six or thirty seven. He started his career as a as a teenager. Thirty six. He's thirty six. I remember watching James Milner in two thousand four. Yeah, he's, he's he's been he's been doing this. He's been in the um, streets. Actually, can he catch Gareth Barry like the the record? Like if he plays for two more seasons and he gets regular minutes, he must be near the Premier League appearance record, which I, I believe is Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry's top, 653. Uh, a certain Manchester United 11 is second with <laughs> 632. Then it's Lampard with 609. Mm-hmm. Milner 588. Yeah, Milner will not. He can't. Probably he can't not, catch it. He won't. He won't. But he, he would won't. need three more seasons. Yeah, man. That's um, why. I, okay, hold on. A deep dive. Okay, he did one season on loan in the second division. Otherwise, it's all been in the Premier League. The guy's been doing this. I yeah, think, he's been around a lot. I think he's a got a very he's got a very nice role in Liverpool as sort of a player who you don't have to call on all the time, but when mm. you don't, when you do, he's going to give you everything. And I think if you are Liverpool now, you are probably asking a lot. Well, Harvey Elliott's probably going to play a lot of games in in central midfield, and he looked good last season before that ankle injury. 
Uh, but we'll see what happens next. I have I a think. solution, Carl. Move Trent into the midfield. Oh, the, w- this again. the way he got dunked on by Mitrovic <laughs> at the far post for the opening goal does kind of make you think. That says more about Mitrovic than it does about Trent. I mean, I mean, so it, Trent, it, it kind Trent of happens a lot, though, that he falls Trent asleep at the back post. He doesn't, if you need midfield cover, it kind of makes sense to play him there. It, uh, makes, it makes a lot more sense to go 4-2-3-1 than it does hmm. to, to, to continue the 4-3-3. And, and to move okay. Trent into central midfield, I, I think. Okay. I think a big thing about Trent, and if your if your issue with Trent is he doesn't look behind, I just think he'd be good dope in midfield. Bro. If you if you think he should, if you think Trent's issue is he doesn't check his behind him, don't mm-hmm. put him in the central midfield where he has to look behind him a lot more. That would force him to do it almost. Mm. So you're pushing him into deeper waters and asking him to. <laughs> I think I think I think what I feel what like Trent, if he played in midfield, he would be more attacking than I think anything. What, and I like mean, guys, guys, how guys attacking like, he is. Guys is, like Fabinho would be the ones who would really have to look behind them and nah, read the nah. game on some deeper level. I think Trent is in his best is in his best position, and that Liverpool oh. team is designed to get the best out of Trent. And also, I think is I just don't want my best footballers as I know it's weird. It's weird. Uh, I also backs. think a lot. I think a lot about. Trent and a lot about why Trent is I'm not going to say struggling a lot why Trent is having some issues is because the person who's supposed to drop into that space and protect him is Jordan Henderson who has lost a step uh, not through injury and whatnot Henderson's the dude who drops deep when when Trent is doing stuff should we also should we talk about Mitrovic yes let's do and then I have one more point about this game but I don't you know I, I I've I've done a lot of mean tweets about that boy uh, and said, you know, he, he can't cut in the Premier League. And, and I'm sick of, I said, I'm sick of him being considered a dark horse and whatnot. But he was really good against Liverpool. He's in the best physical shape I've ever seen him. He's only, you know, it feels weird to see this is his third in the Premier League. And this is, he's only 27 years of age. His hold up plays a lot better. He's, he's 27. He's, yeah, his speed is deceptive. He's We're quicker older than, than him. Yeah, yeah, he's quicker than you think, but also he's not quick, if that makes sense. Uh, and the way the way he won that penalty really, really uh, made Virgil Van Dijk look clumsier than how Virgil Van Dijk normally looks like. So, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good performance if you're Fulham. Uh, yeah. It's one of those things where you can also see if you were a Fulham fan, you probably need two or three more reinforcements. Um, I feel like every, we could say that for every club at this stage. Yeah, like, yeah. there's holes everywhere for everybody. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I thought. When we get to I United, think, we will discuss in further detail. I thought that was that was mildly encouraging for for for, for Fulham. Uh, Jurgen Klopp's after game said the only good thing about the game was the fact they came out out of it with one point. Did so, you also hear what he said that about the pitch the, was the, dry? The pitch was dry, and then <laughs> and, and then Fulham tweeted out, uh, "Look at our lovely pitch yesterday with with, with an image of, of the water sprinklers, which I thought was quite funny. the pitch was dry." Okay, do do you subscribe to games? early don't count as much as games late. And I, I asked this because if this were game 35 mm-hmm. and Fulham were fighting for relegation or to avoid relegation, mm-hmm. a point against visiting Liverpool would be massive because you wouldn't expect it. The math doesn't math differently uh, because it's the first game. I think it does. It's no, it can't. It's impossible. Math only does. It only goes one way. Uh, boy, this is the you math. want it to this be is... one way, it, but it's the other way. Uh, I, this is, <laughs> the Premier League table, but the Premier League table isn't math because football is intact. Is what? 
It's that Fort Minor song. It takes 30%, whatever. Uh, uh, don't. I'll mute you, bro. <laughs> it's intangible. I think, to your point, points earned before the transfer window closes are different to points earned after it. I think right? they all count the same. And that these, these two points dropped for Liverpool, if they want to compete with Man City, are bad to drop. I, and I this agree. point gained for I, Fulham is massive. I agree on that point. I will agree with you there. Uh, the way City played against West Ham, if you want to talk about that now, was one of those very Jump scary performances. And I went, oh, this, we might be talking a one-horse race. You so said last, last week, week that they yep. were going to be clear before Christmas. So I, ooh, I said the gap will be bigger than what we're used to between Liverpool and City. Okay, I don't want to read me. Uh, so I said the gap will be bigger. I, don't, I said I don't think it will be at one point or two points, but it could be four and six. And I mean, Harlan looked. The weird thing was City didn't look interesting. We know what City do. They they take the ball away from you and they essentially bore you into, into submission. Mm-hmm. Or, or they have done in the last two seasons. And it was weird watching them do that with Haaland because Haaland was making these runs and you're going, well, just play him in. Just give him the ball early. Stop wasting time. Yeah. And yet they kept doing it and they kept doing it. And then just when you were about to get bored, they went, now click your fingers, Gundogan fizzes it in, Haaland makes the run, win the penalty. And like, okay, that was that was scary. The De Bruyne one though. And then the De Bruyne one, De Bruyne one was very scary because it's the... <laughs> It's one, De Bruyne making that sort of pass, which I'd say there are a dozen, maybe two dozen players in the Premier League that can make that pass. Uh, and two, it was the fact that Haaland managed to alter his, without slowing down, managed to alter his body position and get the shot off with his left foot into the bottom. He's such a freak. And I just went, I went, no, no, you, you're like, it's one of those things where you're going, you're supposed to slow down? Yeah, to be able to do that, you would you have to lose at least half a yard and he just got it away you're going do you know what's really interesting to me is zuma and the other center back that they were playing they're not they essentially they gave up it was like their body language one when he was going through is like i have a chance to get him and then they realized they didn't so then he shot on areola and they just looked they just kind of looked around or down just like what can i do with this yeah i imagine it's like what's like what a point guard feels like when he's isolated on lebron and there's no help coming. It's yep. just so, so he's he's gonna back me down to the basket and dunk on me. And there's nothing I can do really except foul him. Do you but remember? I can't the, foul him. Do you remember the 1819 season? Uh and so 1819 Premier League season, Man City played Newcastle, Rafa Benitez is Newcastle. And Newcastle essentially didn't want to play football. They hunkered down 10 men behind the ball and, and just hunkered down really deep behind the goal and just went, look, we will take a 2-0 loss here because we, we don't care. Our season will not be defined against what we do against Man City. It will be defined against what we do against everyone else. I remember Conte did that with Chelsea. Yeah. And it, it got to half time. And I think it might have been whatever TV channel it was on. But the, the pundit basically went, This is this is shocking and it's bad for the league. That teams are essentially playing City and going, This is a waste of time. Let's just not get humiliated instead of trying mm-hmm. to beat Man City. And you look at that City team, and yeah, okay, they've lost Raheem Sterling, they've lost Gabriel Jesus, they don't have Zinchenko. How do you stop them? You, if you try to fight fire with fire and you just try mm-hmm. to go all out attacking, as Half Hope has always said, if you play Wild West football, Wild, Wild West football, the teams with the better, the team with the better footballers will always win. Mm-hmm. And Man City have the better footballers compared yep. to everybody. So you can't fight fire with fire. You can't do that. Yep. If you, if you try to park a bus, yep. it might work. 
But, but thing, you'll have to get got, extremely lucky. They've got so many good passes that they can pass through you. Exactly. So you're essentially, there was a point late on in the first half where Edison looked bored and he started doing silly things. <laughs> and I think that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping silly for a beating where, themselves. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're hoping, you, and this is why when I do the bad Premier League prediction thing, I saw a lot of people predict Haaland not scoring. And it felt as if people were almost trying to will it into existence of just, it can't be this obvious. Haaland can't be this good. He can't be automatically creating 25 league goals this season. Um, and I think that's why so many football fans laughed when he hit the crossbar in the community shield. We were all desperately hoping he wouldn't be this good this early. And then it's just one, just one game. What against is your West over Ham. under? What, what, what is your over under on his goal tally? <laughs> the worst case scenario on, on Haaland, right? And let's say everything goes wrong. Let's say he gets... Uh, Injuries, suspensions. Well, yeah, but and I'm not saying like Achilles. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, we, 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 we're yeah. not wishing injury on him, but he has let, let, proven that like he he will miss four or five games in the season. Yeah, yeah. So let's say that you get a repeat of that, and let's say he does have a culture clash with Pep Guardiola and whatnot. Even that, you're going. He's still scoring twelve, maybe fifteen goals, and that's if everything goes wrong. And what oh, if everything you, goes right though? So like, this is that's are we talking scary, like thirty? If everything right, if everything goes right, if everything goes right for Harlan, yeah, it's very scary. And the thing of just that's West. The, the interesting thing is Harlan gives Man City a counter-attacking edge, and City don't need that. They do though, but in the Champions League, it'd be nice if they had that. But it's that thing of you don't need it, fam. Why are you doing this? No, I think I think Haaland is is was needed for the Champions League, where, where sure. the space is open, where you will get a Real Madrid, a PSG, a Bayern, a Liverpool, a Chelsea, who have their own footballing objectives and will try to play football. They will try to play through you and you will get counter-pressing opportunities and be able to take advantage of space in behind. West Ham were a bit too, I don't know, relaxed, maybe first game of the season or whatever it is. And they were just like, all right, we're just out here. It's just a game. Like, nah, it's, it's not really a game. I think once City's midfielders really gel with Haaland, basically, once you see him running and you mm -hmm. see his name or number, find whatever pass you can and he will catch it because he's terribly quick. It's nasty how quick he is. He, he didn't look great in the community shield. And I went, this is probably because Phil Foden's not in the field. And a lot of what, they, a lot of what City want to do will rely on Foden and Grealish to carry the ball. And then you're watching against West Ham and Grealish didn't look great. Foden was looking good. And then you're like, oh yeah, they've still got Kevin De Bruyne. And then you that watch it a bit further so and, gross, and you go, man. and then you watch it further and you're like, oh yeah, Cancelo can make that pass. And then you're looking at attacks and like, oh yeah, they've got Kyle Walker, who's basically a cheat code for defensive transition. But this is their and first it was part game. Way, it was partway through that second half and they made a double <sighs> sub and it was Alvarez and Bernardo Silva. And you're going, Jesus Christ. One thing that we sometimes neglect and I'll leave this, this game here. Once things are exposed as being a potential or a possibility, you now have to account for this. If you're the next team playing, you mm -hmm. see, okay, this is what De Bruyne to Haaland, this is what they're capable of. So now the next set of back four, back five, what is the adjustment from opposing defenses? Because that must happen. It will have to happen. And then what is the counter that Pep comes up with once, me, once those spaces aren't there? Unless we're saying those, those spaces and opportunities will always exist. But so I don't think is, that will be the case. So one of the big things Pep talks about a lot and is a, is a very 
Johan Cruyff thing of just when you are making a football team to attack, you want to come up with, you want to give defences as many headaches as possible. You know, so if you've got a tall striker, then your defence goes, they've got a tall striker, they're probably going to get in loads of crosses, stop the supply. Mm -hmm. So then you add in, you either make good dribblers and good wingers so you can beat that on the cross or you put in good inside forwards who can attack when you try and block things out wide. And Pep's got that, right? So he's got, well, he's not got as great wingers as he used to have, but Grealish can carry the ball very well. Foden can carry the ball very well. So you block those bits out. You still got Kevin De Bruyne in the middle. How'd you stop that? And if you stop De Bruyne, Gundogan's there. How'd you stop that? And if you stop those two, Rodri can make the pass too. How'd you stop that? And if you can stop Rodri, well, there's Yao Cancelo doing inverted winger things. How'd you stop that? And if you can beat that, Edison can launch it long. How'd you stop that? And this is a thing of just, you you are hoping they beat themselves. Because no. if you can't, you, you can stop all those things and then it'll bring on Bernardo Silva. Have you ever heard like, if you if you sleep on a math question or something like that, mm-hmm. your brain will work in the background even though of you're course. asleep and then yeah. you'll come up with solutions. Yeah. And, okay, and... so you asked this question like five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago. My brain's been working in the background. Mm-hmm. The way you beat City is what are with De Bruyne and Gundogan and Rodri and the midfield in general, even if we go to the wings, like Grealish, they're crazy athletes from my perspective. Like, they're crazy. But, like, relative to football, you might find a team who's able to just blitz them early. Like, while they have energy and, I don't know, the a home crowd support or whatever the case may be, you just press them tough, hard, fast, quick. And maybe athleticism can pinch you a goal or two in the first 30 minutes of a game. And then from there, you can sit back and yeah, they might find the space once, but will they find it twice, three times? So really, it's it's about, I think, starting really, really aggressive okay, and just using whatever athletic advantage, if your team has it, over a De Bruyne, a Gundogan who's older. Maybe that's how you would go about it. I will... But even still, it's a risk because if you mess up on a press, then Haaland's right behind you. So I'm gonna you, read it's, you. It's, it's, it's obviously, you know. I'm going to read you every City fixture they've got until the end of September. And I just want you to give me a match prediction. Oh, so next oh. week, City are at home against Bournemouth. It's a win. For City, right. The week yeah. after that, they're away against Newcastle. That's a win. Uh, the week after that, they're at home against Crystal Palace. It's a win. Mm-hmm. But if they drew, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, okay. So so you got you, you predict Palace will make him sweat because they've got wide runners. I'm getting the generally, sense that's why. Yeah, I just generally think yeah. they're more athletic. And if they go for it, okay. they so, could find well, something. I'm going to read you these things. And I want you to predict how many goals the opposition is going to score. City versus... So Man City versus Bournemouth. City at home. None. Okay. Newcastle away. One, goals one goal. One goal. Okay. And uh, Newcastle... And you, you already predicted City to win that game. Yeah. Um, City at home against Palace. How many goals are Palace scoring? One. Okay. Do you think that's enough to beat Man City? I don't know. Okay. Like maybe right. it might be. Like they All only right. scored two against, or was it two or three against <laughs> West Ham? Uh, they so, also basically stopped playing football for 15 minutes because they're just recycling possession. All right. But it's City, call, call, it's City like, at home against Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Next. <laughs> okay. So that, that takes you to the end of August. You've predicted them to concede two goals. If we did this for all 38 games, uh-huh. the logical conclusion for all 38 games is that they win or draw. Like yep. there's 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 no fixture, yep. even Liverpool away, where you would yep. think that's a loss, definitely. Yep. Yep. So 
I mean, you're asking me to find the impossible here. It's like, where where will it break? Yeah, I don't know, that, but it, it will break eventually. It has to. They're not going to win all 38, but I'm just trying to come up with the solution. Yeah, of course. It of has how to, could it? It has to, and football is never that predictable unless it's the Bundesliga, and even then the Bundesliga has some surprises elsewhere other than Bayern Munich. But it, uh, it's looking very <laughs> scary. It's looking scary hours for everyone else but Manchester City. Mm-hmm. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shall we talk about Chelsea? I didn't finish watching that game because I got bored. It was a really odd one in that the best players in that Chelsea lineup were the new signings. So Koulibaly looked, I don't want to say fantastic, but he looked effective. He looked very mm-hmm. much like a, a dad playing with under-17s. He, I mean, he looks, <laughs> like he, he looks in amazing physical shape. And most of his tackles were quite well measured and well timed. And then the ones that were poorly measured and poorly timed were just like the right amount of cynical. Uh, his yellow card was fantastic, where he just lost Anthony Gordon and just went, oh, I'm just going to grab the back of your shirt. Uh, I thought that was nice. Uh, Tiago Silva put in one of those great, oh, yeah, Tiago Silva looks like he's everywhere, but actually hasn't moved too much. Did you uh, see just quickly that Tiago Silva was drug tested after the game? So random drug test and air mm-hmm. quotes. He was drug tested after the game. He missed the plane back to London. So he had to take a three and a half hour car ride from Everton to London because he missed the plane back. And I think they tested him probably because how is a 30, soon to be 38 year old able to do this? Or I don't know. May, maybe maybe the tests are indeed random. But yeah, yeah go, go ahead. Uh, so I'd, I'd say Kudabali, new signing, look, looked really good. Thiago Silva looked great. Veteran defending. Raheem Sterling was probably the only Chelsea attacker that seemed anywhere near capable of breaking the lines. And that's all I really got from that game. I I was just I was looking at I was looking at the game going, what are Chelsea trying to do? And <laughs> and this is this is you know, it looked to me as if a lot of the play was get it to Chilwell and get it to Reese James and they will deliver the ball into the box. Oh. But the intensity of their play was two or three shades off it. And I didn't really understand who they were trying to aim it for because Kai Havertz was flighty. Oh boy, is that is that the nice way to say it? Um, and we, we, we did get some questions. So I'll ask these and they were mostly Chelsea related. So uh, when do you think Tuchel will change his approach from Ralph? Um, reason why I ask this is because we clearly lack a creative player, big chances created in the Premier League in 21-22 season. Liverpool created 97 City 87, Spurs 84, Chelsea 74 from the Premier League. So Chelsea are 20, 23 chances, big chances behind Liverpool. 
And he also asked, should Chelsea spend $80 million on Fofana knowing they have creative issues? So I guess all of those are linked. I've always asked, Carl, what is the point of the football? Or just what is what, – what are you trying to achieve? What is the objective? Outside of – I feel like all big clubs have just the I, objective I to, 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 to press and to take advantage of, of wide areas because they know that's where the space is going to be. So fullbacks, wingbacks, wingers, mm-hmm. dribblers – those are always going to be key key positions. And then we want to press. Like, that's just what people say. We just want to press. But outside of that, what fundamental automations and patterns of play do you find in Chelsea's final third? I don't see it. And the reason this stands out, and it's something you said earlier about Sterling. You can tell Sterling has been in a system where he knows what he's supposed to be doing. And he's looking around sometimes at a Havertz, at a Pulisic, at all these different mount. You can tell there's like chemistry there to an extent just because they're footballers and, you know, they've been doing this their whole life. But because it's like he's doing something and then there's not a, a, a logical response to his action. And it's that thing that we used to talk about about Arsenal, the Arsenal sickness. The player will look good. They go to Arsenal. They, they look good to start. And then after a while, the sickness hits. Well, really, it's just it's it's a lack of memory. Essentially, they don't remember what they were doing, or it's not the same place. And then eventually, you just get sucked into whatever foolishness is going on at Arsenal. I feel like Koulibaly is going to look really good. Sterling is going to look good to start. I feel like Kukurey is going to look great to start. And then eventually, because there's no concrete plan or patterns of play in an attacking sense, eventually they're just going to look trash. Because what is the objective? What is the point? It feels really weird and i was really racking my brains recently going when was the last time there was a entertaining attacking in an attacking sense thomas tuchel side even when chelsea won the champions league that was Mm -mm. done through defensive endeavor and the fact that tuchel made sure there were five players behind the ball at every point in time (laughs) and Um, kante kante yeah and when you when you've got kante six players behind the ball all the times man of the match in each of the semis and the finals so yeah and the last truly entertaining attacking Tuchel managed team is the PSG ones. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. It, it's it's the year where they reach the Champions League final. And even then, that one is relying a lot on the individual talent rather than the structure that Tuchel was bringing. Tuchel was very much, he'd given them a platform and then off they went. How, am I, how should I put this nicely? I believe Thomas Tuchel is one of the best managers in the world. I think he's top 10. But I'm now getting to the point where I think Thomas Tuchel was a top 10 manager in spite of his attacking system. Right? I'm I don't looking think at he the, has an attacking system. At least yeah, not one that's I'm, readily identifiable. It's looking, you know, I'm saying it's looking funny in the light. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying it's a bubble chip or, or as it is. And as it is. <laughs> but, but if you're, if, if you're a, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, Chelsea fans. I think it's okay to say he's not got the most out of any of Chelsea's attacking players. None of them have improved because of something that you would say he's done. Yes, yes, that's where they, I'm at now. I, I, like, I, I feel like Mount has improved based on... I'm playing regular football. I think he has maybe 110, 120 appearances. Frank Lampard played him. Tuchel's obviously carried that tradition, if we want to call it that. So it's just a natural progression of playing a bunch of minutes. But if you look at, uh, oh, he's German, he's going to come, and Havertz is going to click, and Werner's going to click, and all this stuff is going to happen... I haven't seen any of it. Werner's going back to Leipzig, Havertz. I mean, people are questioning his ability now. So 
when when Tuka was signed, and this builds on your point, so 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 don't forget where you're gonna go. But if we look at the Bundesliga and you're coaching Dortmund, how hard is it to make a Dortmund side look? You would have to try to make them look bad. They were always gonna look good because that's just how the league operates. So of course the, you're, you're gonna look good when you have Obama Yang and all these guys, um, Pulisic, Dembele. Yes, Dortmund are going to be a good attacking side in that league. That's just what it's going to be. When you go to PSG and you have Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria, how hard is it to let those players just figure it out? You I mean, are Pochettino dealing, found you, it harder than Tuchel, but... <laughs> well, no, because there was an interview that Tuchel did with Rio. He, he said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing, so if I get it wrong, don't kill the messenger. But he said something to the effect of, I, I, I want to create a platform for my attacking mm-hmm. players to be able to figure it out. I can't tell Neymar what to do. I can't tell Mbappe what to do. They will get into the position and they will find a solution that I can't tell them because they're so much better at, I don't know, just thinking in those situations. So it would be silly of me to try to tell Neymar, this is what you do to score a goal. He will, he'll figure it out. And I tend to feel like if you have Neymar, okay. That logic at least makes sense. When you go to Chelsea and you have Timo Werner mm-hmm. or Christian Pulisic, all due respect, which means something disrespectful is coming, you can't just tell Timo Werner to figure it out. You can't, you need, he needs a system, something that's going to help him make decisions in and around the 18 yard box that's going to help him score a goal. You can't just allow him to freestyle it. <laughs> He's not most deaf, like he can't freestyle. <laughs> I'm looking at you. <laughs> he can't freestyle. He needs some sort of structure. Mm-hmm. You can get away with that with Neymar, Di Maria, uh, Mbappe to an extent. Like, of course, you can freestyle that. And the Bundesliga, let them just go. Let them. Let, of course, you can freestyle that. When you come to the Premier League and you're dealing with what everybody, I think, would assume is lesser talent at Chelsea than at PSG in an attacking sense, mm-hmm. you can't allow the players just to figure it out. They they won't. So go for it. Go for it. No, no, I I don't. I, and here's the thing: I don't think Tushu is just letting him figure it out. And I and, think he is. And I think the way he seems to channel so much of the football via the wing backs, uh, and how so much of the game is trying to attack the half spaces. The confusing thing is he, he Tushu seems to be borrowing two parts of an attacking structure from loads of different managers. Right, so the wing back play. I'm like, okay, cool. So you wanna you wanna play wing back football, and then okay, yeah. So so you go okay, that's, that's Klopp esque, uh, and then you look at the 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 patient settled possession. I'm like, okay, that's Guardiola esque, and okay. then you're there. They don't really have a focal point. I'm like, okay, that's weird. And this is and it goes back to the thing of why did they try and get Lukaku? Because Lukaku is not a Thomas Tuchel style striker. And then I think I tweeted this before. I went, why did some? I went the Lukaku deal. I'm just pretending that Inter Milan loaned Lukaku to Chelsea rather than the other way around. It's just easier. And someone to me, um, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely baffling that Tuchel wanted Lukaku based on the fact that Lukaku doesn't fit the mold of what a Tuchel-style striker is. And then we got in a big conversation, well, what is a Tuchel-style striker? Thank you. Now that's the question. And that that is the question. If you look at how Tuchel teams have played across Dortmund, PSG, Chelsea now, and you can go a bit further in, in the past as well. A Tuchel style striker is anything. Been, I mean, I mean, the, here's the baffling thing: a Tuchel style striker 
is Tammy Abraham. <clears throat> right? You want you want a big man who can kind of dribble, can hold the ball up, and also finishes pretty well. Right? You want someone who can you, you want someone ideally who plays in a direct attacking sense, but can do a little bit of hold-up play and isn't too set in their ways. And the ideal right now, the sort of player you want is is someone like Tammy Abraham or Victor Osherman. So you're going, you just sold the best striker for you on paper. What's going on? Uh, yeah, this is, this, these are my thoughts about Chelsea. I think we've spoken about this way too long. Raheem yes. Sterling looks very good, but there you go. Now, Conte, when, when, when you said what type of striker is a Tuchel striker, mm-hmm. the first person that came to mind was Antonio Conte for whatever reason. We know exactly what type of striker Antonio Conte wants. He wants, whether it's a Grazio Napella, whether it's uh, Olivier Giroud, he tried to sign Fernando Lorente like nine times. We know exactly <laughs> the type of striker that he wants. He wants a big totem pole so he can play a little guy off him. But when you go to Spurs, you're dealing with a little bit it's, – it's a different profile. Like you can't – you have the striker there already. So you have to tailor the type of attack to Harry Kane. You can't go out and get your Giroud, your totem pole guy because Kane exists. And will always exist until he doesn't want to be there anymore. And even mm-hmm. if he wants to leave, he still might be there. So Conte has in some ways adjusted the way that he wants to play football, which you've seen with Italy, Chelsea, Juventus, etc. Even Inter with Lukaku. And he's adjusted it to Spurs. And Spurs look scary. Spurs look... They beat Southampton 4-1. And the interesting thing about it was Kane wasn't really included in that. So the, the game is completely run by Kulaveski. He's uh, phenomenal. He has, a, he has a goal. He has an assist. He just looks like a stud. He, they also, uh, they, a lot of the plays from Kulaveski, you saw him cut inside. So he's playing right wing back. He cuts inside and he hits all these curved crosses in. Uh, very De Bruyne style crosses into the penalty area. And that's how they get one of the goals. And you're going, hang on. Where did you download that from? Uh, Conte said some very nice things about Kulaveski. He said he's really humble and he's, he's always willing to learn and he could be one of the best players in his position one day. But the really important thing is humility, which is a very Conte style thing of, I've absolutely yeah. got a fan. He's one of those things, of, I've got a fantastic player here, but I need to make sure this he doesn't realise how good he is too early because if he does, he might get ego problems. Um, that Spurs, Spurs mm. were my pick to finish third. Uh, I also said... I also got the sense that they will probably start the season very well and they might be in the conversation for a title race until and then fall away a little bit later on in the season. But if you look at that Spurs team that played against Southampton, no Ivan Perisic, mm. no Doherty. Kane wasn't really included in that. Son was, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, Bentecourt. Here's the fun thing. Conte's nicked two players that Juventus now are probably going, wait, why did we let them go? <laughs> Kulishevsky and Bentecourt, yeah. Apologies for mispronouncing Cooley's name. Um, but yeah, th- those two players look absolute studs for Spurs right now. They look really, really good. Ryan Sessignon as well, word to him. Yeah. He, he finally looks like he's kicking on, which is really nice. Yeah, they, they look like they're in win-now mode. And if they weren't Tottenham Hotspur and mm-hmm. played in red, if they played in red and it wasn't Tottenham Hotspur and they just put in that performance, I think a lot more people would be saying, ooh, but because it's you Spurs, see, I, like last, last I have week, to keep my powder dry. Exactly. Last week I said Spurs are going to finish second. And uh-huh. I would say they could finish first or uh-huh. they will finish first. But I'm not that bold because yeah. it is it is Tottenham. 
and it is the history of the Tottenham. Yeah, so uh, and I think there's a lot of challenges in the Premier League now, and I think mm-hmm. one of the big ones for Conte is can he do what Pochettino never got close to, but never properly did? Can you destroy Spursiness? How would you go about doing that in like a paragraph? <laughs> you have to win something. So anything. Right? You have you have to win one Inter of the Toto Cup Cup winners you have Cup to win one of the, something I, I think you have to, well if you win the if you win the FA Cup or the League Cup you will say you are on the way to defeating Spursiness if you win the Euro <laughs> if if Tottenham win the Europa League this season you'll say that's a Spursy thing because they crashed out of a Champions League group you know mm-hmm. that's how it works this so Spursiness dies is with a Premier League or a Champions League that's the I only way so. you kill it. I think okay. I think one of the best and worst things Pochettino did was he got Spurs to such a good level that now it's only the big things that can that can do it, right? Mm. Okay. Hotspur finished third in a two-horse race for the Premier League title. And True. a couple of years ago, you a couple of years ago, Tottenham Hotspur would have nabbed your hand off for a third place finish, but the circumstances of that finish were pretty painful. So but before we pressed record, I said we we're going to start with Manchester United. And Carl said, did we have to? <laughs> and then I realized maybe we should leave it till last. So I haven't Damn. been too pushy on that one. First off, mm-hmm. and this has nothing to do with anything except everything. Martinez, it looks weird. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying it's it's wrong or anything, but yeah. seeing him, like, I'm used to, like, Every center back in the Premier League is at least like 5'11", 6 foot. So like there's just where I'm looking on the TV, essentially. Or I guess where you're looking in the stadium, it might be different. But where I'm looking on the TV, it's like I have to look a little bit lower. Like, And I notice, I'm like, yo, like what is that? Like it looks like Torreira's out there. So is this where he's going to play for the rest of the season? Yes. Like, he, like he's not going to step into defensive midfield and somebody like this is his position. So Lissandra Martinez plays a couple of games at defensive midfield for Ajax in the 2019-20 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then partway through that season, uh, Ten Hag moves him into central defence and says he doesn't have the engine for it. He doesn't have the motor to play in defensive midfield. And that's that. He didn't play one game in, in defensive midfield for Ajax last season. And if you look at Manchester United and the preseason tour, there were two or three moments where Alex Talese who's a left-back, played at centre-back and in defensive midfield and played in a lot of positions um, because I think it was Eric Ten Hag prepping United for when Martinez would come in. Uh, and it was very important to play as a... to get a left-footed player in defence. And mm. on Friday, I went to the press conference. I spoke to Eric Ten Hag. I said hello to him in Dutch and he laughed at me a little bit. I went, oh, we're speaking Dutch today. Uh, and I said, why is it so important that you have a left-footed player in deep areas? And he said, it's all about orientation. And I think he's really, really keen on Martinez in central defence because of what Martinez can do in possession. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. There's, but there's, I feel there's, like you understand for what they that's, do. That's some comic coming for you. And I think <laughs> if you looked at that game, he started pretty well against Brighton. And he was up against Danny Welbeck and he held his own for 55 minutes. Nah, 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 nah. There was a moment where Welbeck tackled himself. Yeah, so that was against... Where he those, slipped, so, where, where Welbeck yeah, got yeah. past him. In the, okay, okay, um, okay. Because Welbeck is making runs from the left centre-back place to right centre-back, and Maguire is not checking. Yes, um, yes. And Martinez... So Martinez versus Welbeck was an interesting battle because it was very much a very small... Well, Danny Welbeck's six foot two, uh, <laughs> and now weighs 
anywhere between 12 and 13 stone. And Lissandro Martinez yeah. is five foot nine. Martinez is the shortest centre-back in the Premier League. So Martinez's technique has to be spot on every Ever. time. Ever. Because if he, if he gets it wrong, he will get eaten alive. And uh, the penalty that should have been awarded against Manchester United, but wasn't, was him getting his timing wrong on the, sh- on the shoulder barge and just completely clattering a guy out. And you're going, he has to be inch perfect all the time. Can he do that in a very dysfunctional Manchester United backline? Maybe. Carl, I feel like that centre-back pairing, and I don't want to get stuck here, but it is just weird to look at. I feel like it gives too many obvious answers to strikers, attackers, and, and managers. If you're fast and nippy, mm-hmm. target Maguire. If yep. you're big and strike, if this was Stoke back, you target Martina. Like, isn't that too obvious or am I just being... No, no, no. I think I think that's there's, that's a really valid thing to say. And, and and Danny Welbeck bullied Manchester United because he figured out pretty early on, hang on, Martinez is good with his technique. Let me try running it behind Maguire. Maguire is now playing right centre-back after he spent his entire career at Hull at Leicester and up until this season, up until basically today playing at left centre-back. And he's not used to that. And if you look at those two goals, the first goal comes from Welbeck beating the offside trap, running in between Martinez and Maguire. And Maguire just does, is just completely oblivious that Welbeck's behind them, you know, gets the ball, gets to Pascal Gross. And the second goal comes from Brighton successfully overloading the right-hand side. And either Dallow or Martin, or Dallow and McTominay don't really know what to do. It's really, really bad defending from Maguire, who basically abandons his position from right center back stands in front of martinez which you just you never you never want to be in a position where your two center backs are stood in front of each other because that just means there's a gaping hole left or right um so he steps in front of martinez then he basically tells martinez don't worry i've got that corner and then leaves martinez to go on the left to to cover on the right hand side and it runs over and it just causes this weird thing so i think a lot of the problems you got was that there's also you know, the, the long-standing problem of Manchester United in, in central midfield. Oh. If you've got Paul Scholes on Instagram, he put up an Instagram story this weekend saying it'd be really good if Manchester... Well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing heavily here, but he mentioned the word half-turn and said it'd be quite good if you know your midfielders are meant to receive the ball in the half-turn instead of getting the ball when they're facing their own goal. Right. Which is a, you know, a, a non-subtle comment Big. on yeah. Fred and Scott McTominay. Uh, Roy Keane was on Sky Sports and said Fred and Scott McTominay, he basically you know, said worse to the effects of they're not it. Like, you, I mean, not Fred, Fred almost killed the game. I mean, he rescued himself, but yeah, Fred, there was Fred, one time where he, he received the ball from the goalkeeper basically facing him. Then I don't know if it was a blind pass or just a bad one to his right. Yep. And yeah, it could have been right in three or two. But they beat Manchester United 2-1 and they could probably could have had a penalty and they probably could have had a goal. A, a goal was was chalked off for offside and I I could have also seen that count. Brighton beat Manchester United because they have better they have a better central midfield. This is my last question for you or, or just of the day for now. So Brighton lose their two best players, Kukurea and Basuma. Mm-hmm. At least, like, if we're looking at this on FIFA, I'm sure they were their most highly rated there's, players. There's in a that tweet way. of saying just those two signings paid off for their entire stadium. Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, Chelsea. If you include that, their last three set big players out. So Ben White, fifty million. Fifty. Basuma, thirty-five. Was it? Yeah, Basuma's thirty-five, and now Kukurela's sixty. They've paid the off most their expensive stadium. left back in Premier League history. So they paid off their stadium. So so yeah. they they lost their two best players, at least in mm-hmm. FIFA terms, <laughs> if you guys know what I mean. Yeah, I know. and and they they didn't skip a beat. 
So my question to you is, why doesn't English tax in the way we understand it when we're talking about players? So, so there's the idea that if any English player shows any level of competence or ability, they're hyped to the hilt. Why doesn't that same thing apply to managers? Like, why isn't Graham Potter being touted as one of the next best? If Tuchel were to get sacked, why is, is Potter is is, is should he is. Potter be? He is. Is he, he is. hyped like that? I've, I I what I was there when Brighton. Did you want him for like United? Like he wasn't I, in the conversation. He for was. United, he was. was. We've just it's just been reported on the Athletic today that he was, uh, and then he was uh, he he was on the shortlist, and he eventually went no because he has no Champions League experience, which I think is funny. So uh, what? Because Manchester United weren't in the Champions League space. Exactly. Like, y'all don't have uh, Champions League experience. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, so he was. Uh, and I, I was there when, when Brighton beat Man United 4-0. Uh, and he was asked that question of, do you find it interesting that your your name isn't consistently linked to, to, is being consistently linked to jobs as well as the players? And he went, well, it's always been linked. He goes, think about it. I'm being linked to jobs that aren't even there yet. I think people keep calling me the future Spurs manager and Spurs have a very good manager. But that's I think a disrespect, he's a, though. He's a, I don't think it's disrespectful. Potter is Bro, Spurs very... is like the worst of the best jobs in the Premier League <laughs> or the best worst one. Saying that's his level is like saying, yeah, that's that's as high as an Englishman he's, can go down. He's always being linked with the England job as well, right? He's being he's one of the favourites to, to succeed Gareth Southgate. I don't know if that will work because I think his techniques are rely on training time. But something I really like about Graham Potter, and he's he's mentioned this two or three times before, is he says before the Premier League season starts, eighty percent of league tables are decided. He says it's it you know we know what this is about, finances and access to resources decides how the Premier League works. Uh, and he says eighty you know he said seventy five to eighty percent of the Premier League is decided by money. And he says my job is to work in the fifteen percent. And he mm. says my job is to work in the fifteen percent and to make sure Brighton fans are hopeful. And make them believe that they can do better than what money they have. And he says, to do that, you have to work smarter than other teams. You have to make sure everyone, the managers keep using this word now, alignment. He goes, everyone is aligned on the right thing and everyone is working on the same page. Uh, And he said something I thought was really interesting. He said, if Brighton want to get better, some of these players are going to need to move on. And he said, not just in terms of, he knew Kukureta was going to move on. Kukureta scored a third goal for Brighton against United last season. And he celebrated really high and he won player of the season. Uh, and he, you know, Potter was very much like, yeah, he's not going to be here forever. But Graham Potter is also able to say, there are some players that if Brighton want to get to from where they finished last season and push close to sixth place, they're going to need to get a better version of that player. And he's able to think in those terms. Uh, and, and Brighton are always going to be successful because they do the dirty work that Man United don't want to do. Look at Moses Cancelo. Moses Cancelo cost Brighton four million, and he was linked to Manchester United for a time. And then Manchester United went, eh, maybe not. Brighton. I mean, if him. you look at uh, like it's it's Brighton. not like you couldn't have known that Getafe he would have been good, but it's like the top clubs want to see it yeah. again, like prove yeah. yourself again. And Brighton I, are willing to take the chance. That Manchester time. United, Manchester United, for a long time would say we like to scout from a uh, a closed market of some of the top talents in the world. I'm again. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but they were very much like we want to. We want to. We want to scout from a top two, from a top talent pool. And although they've got contacts and scouts all over the world, they want to get the creme of the creme. And I'm always going. That means you're always going to be reactive. That means you might buy Cancelo, but you're going to buy him when he's cost sixty million instead of when he costs six, because he has to prove himself at a Brighton first. And and that's the thing. United keep playing teams with midfield players that 
you would expect United to have. Hoiberg costs Tottenham Hotspur 15 million, 20 million. And he's better than the midfield options at Manchester United. Uh, Moses Caicedo costs cost Brighton 4.5 million. And he absolutely ruined Fred and Scott McTominay. Scott McTominay, Academy product. Fred, who costs a better part of 50 million. Um, really? He cost that. Fred costs a lot of money. Uh, oh, from Shakhtar. Oh, boy. Oh, just, just quickly, Carl. Rabio, that's a thing? Like, that's happening? Uh, apparently, that, that as reported by David Onstein this morning, uh, Rabio is on is being signed up for a potential deal, which is uh, I I'm, I still struggle to find words to describe that, and I will I will put that in writing on the athletic. <laughs> you just find them. You better find them. I, I just preposterous, absolutely absurd. But this is the thing. And Ten Hag struck a really interesting figure after the two one defeat. It's one of those things of. This is the reality. We know how good we we knew what Manchester United's problems were at the end of last season, mm-hmm. and Ten Hag seemed to have sort of improved some things, but also there were just glaring holes that they just haven't fixed yet. If Manchester United do necessarily go out and get Rabio and Marco Anatovic, I don't see those holes being closed. <laughs> so Marco I'm very, very, very confused right now. Um, on Friday, in the same press conference, he was. Um, Ten Hag was asked about defensive midfield uh, and mm-hmm. um, and what would happen if Frankie De Jong didn't arrive, and he said, you know, we want the right players, and it's not it's not just enough to bring someone in; you have to make sure it's the right person. So to to hear that on Friday, and then to read on Monday that Manchester United are interested in in, in Rabio and Arna Artovic, are I I don't know, mate. I just don't know. The same are now. To do you remember the the Euros? Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> where Alaba had to like arrest yeah, yeah, him on yeah, the pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So are not to be. That's the question. That's wild. That's wild. Well, no, we are, we we already did the questions. Oh, okay. So so thank you guys for your questions. I know I, it was short notice. I'll check one more time now. No, no, no. We got them all. So thank you guys for listening to the podcast this week. Join us on our, on our, on the fantasy football league if you haven't yep. already. People have got their teams in. So so make sure you check that out. And also remember, guys, um, we're going to start recording the podcast on Tuesdays. So the podcast will be in your feed probably on Wednesdays from now going forward. So we haven't gone anywhere next week. We're just going to be 24 hours late. That's that. Um, We'll have more leagues to talk about next week, obviously. But, uh, you know, the Premier League, we made it stretch. So, Carl, where can people get you? At Anchorman616 on Twitter. I'm Daniel to look uh, podcast talking tactics. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just follow us on Twitter. That's the main one. All the links are in the description. We'll do the extra here in a bit. All that stuff, guys. Just look in the links. Talking tactics podcast. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. Peace, 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 peace. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>